big balls. I love big balls. What's up, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I talk about best cycle ever. Now, we also discuss uh, why someone else's best cycle might not be your best cycle and to figure out what's the best cycle for you. After that, we have a bunch of listener questions, increasing natural testosterone, highest end dosing of T3, techniques for running clenbuterol, dealing with natural occurring gyno from puberty, max acceptable level of hematocrit, what sides to look out for on a long cycle, and we have a listener who asks, when will my balls shrink? If you guys enjoy the show, then do me a favor, hit the like button. If you have to subscribe, we'd love to have you along. We have several podcasts coming out each week. Comment below with your questions for the next episode. Let's get to this thing. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is presented to you by True Nutrition. Our code is advice as you can get great health supplements, performance supplements, and everything else. Check them out. And if you have any questions about True Nutrition, uh, let me know. Our code is, like I said, advices, and that helps to support our programming. Also, guys, if you want to support the program, you can you can check us out over on Patreon. I'll have links to that below. Today, we are going to discuss uh, favorite cycle ever. I'm interested to hear what Dave has to say on that. I'll share my experience too. Uh, and yeah, we've got Dave Crossland here with Christmas cabbage. Christmas cabbage is moving a little more toward the front of the show every week. He's uh, he's. I think eventually we're going to transition to no more Dave and just Christmas cabbage. But at the moment, at the moment we're trying to throw Footy out the room. Thank you, love. Oh, we actually got a question about Footy. Somebody on, was man. somebody was wondering. Uh, let me see if I can find this one. This is all my text is so little here. I think uh, I think it was just generally somebody was asking like how Fuddy was doing. Yeah, this is it. Well, oh, yeah, obviously he's not doing very well at all. He's he's banned from the show. Um, <laughs> he can't sit with his daddy. Um, you know, it's it's all right for Scott's dog to to wander in and out, Betsy, and make noise and hear a claw clipping on the floor. But Fuddy just because he's got a breathe, and this is the other thing, right? Fuddy has a legitimate breathing problem. He is technically a disabled dog, and you threw him out. That's discrimination against a spazzy dog. You don't care, do you, Scott? No, not at all. Heartless bastard. I sent this uh, this uh, comment to you. Now, the Drugs and Stuff crew, our people that watch this show uh, every week, they are invading the other podcasts because this was on the Jordan Peters episode. I know. You, you never I'm see Christmas really. Cabbage and JP together. Just saying. <laughs> that was brilliant. That had me laughing. Um you know, Summer, you have you have groupies, don't you, to to like famous people. I suppose and yeah, they have I names. Think they do. So you have names, don't you? What do you mean names? Uh so people that follow say Miley Cyrus have a, a certain name of what you call the people that follow oh, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So so we're gonna come up with a name for the people that follow drugs and stuff. Cabagers? <laughs> Cab- cabbage heads. <laughs> cabbage heads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll call them cabbage heads. I don't know. We'd probably come up with something a little better than that, but I, I get what, what you're saying. What are you saying? 
you're saying cabbage is not good enough to, to name out. Oh, I see. Yeah, there's some people tuning in right now that have no idea what's going on. So thanks for hanging with us, guys. There are timestamps down in the bottom. If you want to just get straight to the drug talk, uh, you can skip all this nonsense. In fact, we should probably just carry on. Uh, we don't even know what's going on. What do you mean? Viewers don't know what's going on. We just wing it. We make it up um, as we go. Uh, no, we're professional, Scott. We're professional. Yes. Uh, I, so I have a professional microphone. You do. Uh, and sometimes you actually bring it close enough where you actually your voice sounds round and full. Other times, most of the time, you're like this far away from it. And then I have to do a bunch of stuff in editing. So there's that. Oh, so you choose to tell me this on air. Let's get to the show. It's good. You're fine. You. you're fine. You're fine. You're good. Bollocks, just, bollocks to just you. Just keep Fuck sitting up. behind the cabbage. Just put the yeah. Okay. So anyway, guys, uh, topic of the day is favorite steroid cycle ever, flat out ever. And uh, the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because I think that you know, David, guy like yourself, or you know, guy like me, we can give insight yeah there you go that's perfect dave just stay right there for the whole show i can see your shoulders in, in the cabbage that's actually really uh clever as you would say in the uk uh you know i i think though that we do have a lot of newer guys and that they can learn from this uh one thing i do want to say though is you know when we talk about this this is not necessarily going to be the best cycle for you you know what it comes down to is like if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, what's a great cycle? What's the best cycle I can take? It comes down, that comes down to a real personal stuff, like your level of experience, you know, your level of dosing, you know, what you've done, what you, how long you've been bodybuilding for, uh, whether you come off in between cycles or you go to TRT, those things all play a factor. And of course, you know, we have a lot of female listeners too. So whether you're a male or a female also plays obviously a huge role. So what we're going to talk about is going to be a very individual type thing uh, based off of personal experience and based off of experience with clients and, and other people. Dave, where do we start? Well, also, let us know what your favorite cycles are or have been. That's a great um, point. And put it in context as well as in what you got out of it, you know, so for argument's sake, you did a cycle of this, this, and this, and you found a 20-pound gain or whatever it was. So, you know, that, it helps to put some context into the results you got out of that cycle. Absolutely. I, I'm really old school, um, and I have always been a big fan of Test and Decker, uh, and I would say that my favourite cycle has been those two compounds. Um, but there are compounds over the years uh, or individual products that I've used that I really liked. I like Oxy. Um, and I once used a product called Synastron. Um, it was an Oxy derivative. And Jesus Christ, I got strong on that bloody stuff. The the BP and the headaches were a bit rough, but okay. Yeah, but, I was wondering if you had side effects. Yeah, that. oh yeah, bloody hell! Head felt like it was going to explode half the time, but Jesus, I mean, I got stupidly strong. Yeah, it was go, you know lists were going up plates a week. It was ridiculous. Hmm. Um, 
I shouldn't really say this, uh, to be honest, but running three grammar tests was was quite impressive as well. That really changed things. What were your side effects um, like at three grams? Uh, what, did, what did you do for AI, actually? I'd be interested to know. Nothing. Nothing. No AI. No. Now, some people get destroyed by estrogen. What, what is that sound, by the way? I don't know. Oh, some, sorry. Some sort of um, weird beeping. Yeah, it's the second phone. I forgot about it. Sorry. I, I, I feel like some people will get destroyed by like 500 milligrams of test estrogen wise. They'll be growing boobs. Uh, they'll have double D's by the end of that cycle. Uh, I, then I guess there's other people like you. You didn't take anything? Novadex. That was it. Oh, okay. So you let all the estrogen ride high. Um, and you just blocked it well, at the reception. No, I, I had a, I had a few dibbles and dabbles at times where I'd run a bit of anti E, but uh, in, in for the most part, I didn't actually run anything at all. Um, I've, the, I think one of the reasons that carry on, I, I'm just putting our comments um, up. One of the reasons where I, I probably went as high as I did with dosing and the way I went with the drugs that I used yeah. was because I never really experienced much in the way of side effects when I was using. Okay. So it was very easy to get into a false economy of, of being okay. Yeah. Because I wasn't suffering anything. Um, you know, I never really through even through stupid level, high levels of trend uh, and, and other things, I never really got any major sides. I tolerated them incredibly well. I can remember one. What uh, about the acne that you got? That that was that's probably the only major side I've ever had. And they reckoned that was central nervous system related. Okay. So it was a it wasn't hormone related. Um and it wasn't your typical steroid size. They, they, they felt that it, it was a mixture of heavy metals oh. and, and just the fact that I was battering the living shit out of myself, both with drugs and with training. And food. Um, and food. That was a stressful time. Well, every, sure. everything. Yeah, everything. Uh, so they, they, they were very much, it was a stress response rather than, you know, your normal DHT driven or, or your, your hormone imbalance driven. Yeah. And I've only ever had acne that one time, and it wasn't normal acne. It was more like boils rather than spots. Yeah, yeah. They were deep. They were very deep, um, and they were they were actually quite painful. Um, but other than that, I mean, your normal stuff. I I I carried a bit of water retention. There's, there's definitely no denying of that. But it was nothing that I particularly found a problem. Now you you um, mentioned to our audience that they you know if they have some experience they want to share, they can comment below and to also talk about the results they got. Now, when you ran three grams, which I also, guys, I don't suggest anybody out there does that. No, when you ran, no. ran three grams a test and you were using Novadex for your estrogen control, what kind of gains did you make on that cycle? This is very difficult to, to talk about this high dose cycle in this scenario without actually sounding like you're going to promote it because <laughs> put 65 pounds on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I put a ton of size on. Um, 
But, I mean, that was a period of extreme focus with diet, with training. Training was fucking brutal. There was never a day I wasn't in pain. And I mean, proper pain. You know. Did that cycle contribute to your kidney issues? Yes. Okay. There's a reason to that it doesn't sound good when you put it that way, you know, okay. Yeah, uh, without doubt. Um, The end of that cycle, I was starting to show kidney problems, but just, I mean, I went to the doctors. My EGFR was in the 40s, and they kept telling Mm. me that was normal for me, that was Mm. normal for me. And, And obviously, I kept pushing them, saying, I'm not sure it is, I'm not sure it is. And they kept coming back, no, it is, it is, it is, it is. Um, and obviously it wasn't. Um, so that was that was the start of, of problems. And, and my, my kidney problems were a combination of, of stupidly high drug abuse and, and just the sheer physical size as well. So the two together basically finished my kidneys off. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that was... I mean, I've never been... I was never a big fan of EQ. I still aren't really... I personally never got much off it, but I don't find it that effective um, in um, in cycles. It, it can add a certain something, without doubt. Um, I've always been a, I've always liked oxys, but they they come with issues regarding blood pressure and such things as that. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I I, I just always found test and decker to be ultra reliable and as as my knowledge has gained and i've learned more also from a point of view of blood impacts as well and health impacts decker in general is much milder in that way than a lot of the other drugs we look at i'd say so i can see where you're coming from i i think i think you know what's a perfect cycle there it, it comes down to to having enough experience to know first what works for you and what doesn't that you're going to have one response to DECA. Another person is going to have another. Like we've had people who say, hey, I can't run DECA. I get all sorts of weird psychological things. My my thoughts start changing. You know, so for another guy, that might not be a, a good one. Um, I remember I ran DECA at a, a higher dose and I, I didn't feel great. It just like wasn't a good feeling. Whereas for me, EQ was a, a preferred compound. I had run it light like 300 400 the first time i used it and that was after having done test in deca and test and i think even test in trend and when i ran it i was like oh this is no good but i went back and ran some other stuff and then eventually i came back to it i said okay i'm going to give it a try and this time i'm going to go harder and i went to 800 milligrams with a thousand milligrams of test and i ended up uh moving up uh from middleweight to light heavyweight in just that cycle alone and granted the food was really high too i was eating every hour at for like through my whole work day so that was like an eight nine hour period and then training and then continued that every hour thing up post training as well so it was like my full day was eating 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 and honestly the thing that messed me up the most was gut issues from the foods that i was using and i think it really came down to food choices Though I don't know if I could have gotten that much food in had I used cleaner options like you had, Dave. You know, you talked about eating, you know, two cups of rice and meat every hour on the hour. 
I I opted for things like okay, I'm going to use maltodextrin and scoops away, you know, liquid egg whites and maltodextrin and shit like that. Man, it ended up messing my stomach up. But I did learn. I learned like okay, so EQ that worked well for me. And then I think my favorite ever was was that cycle I moved up. I actually had done test with EQ and I ran NPP at a low dose, like 300 milligrams. Uh, and that, that worked great. Like that to me was like, that was golden. That said, um, I now have, my blood gets too thick at, at you know, I'm getting older. I, w- I will not touch EQ again. And I found that EQ is going to be an issue for people with blood thickness. And it's something that I think I probably didn't pay enough attention to when I was younger. Uh, but if you are going to run EQ, especially at a higher dose, I think that, that that's one where you really need to watch how thick your blood is getting. Uh, I, on the other hand, I think DECA is a great compound, though, excuse me, I never suggest it to people who come off between cycles because the metabolites can remain in your body for so long. It can. I found personally it really affected my recovery when I came off. Uh, for guys that run TRT, I say go for it. But if you still have metabolites floating around five months later post cycle, you know those things could be possibly you know um, making an impression on your body so that you don't produce test as you know optimally as you as you did before the cycle. So that would be my you know looking at pros and cons. That would be my con to DECA. The I think the thing is as well. There's a lot plays into circumstances. So you know, my, the cycle that I enjoyed the most also, I was at the fittest before I started the cycle. I was probably the healthiest before I started the cycle. Yeah. Uh, and that all played into maximizing the results I was getting out of that cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, I'm not so sure on metabolites causing suppression. Um, um, my understanding is they're inactive. Um, oh, really? But- the man you need to speak to is Scott on that one, really. He would know. You're right. <laughs> yeah, because he's clever, unlike us two. Will you do me a favor, Dave? <clears throat> mm-hmm. The cabbage. Would you just... Oh, thank you. What? What's What's wrong with cabbage? I like him. He's just... It's like I'm trying to talk to you. You ever sit with like three people and there's one person's head right in the way? Like right between me and you. Yeah, but you said you wanted to replace me, so I was just, I didn't think you, you know. heard that part. I thought I had you muted. I didn't think you heard me say that, actually. You say it all the time. Well, you we do it. mean to me. We've got a bunch of questions, um, and uh, I had this little picture I wanted to bring up before we got to our questions. Dave uh, bought a bounce house. What is a bounce house? This is Dave's. See that symbol? I don't know what this is in front. It looks like some sort of freaking antenna. Oh, is that is that like a laundry thing? Yeah, it's a whirly gig. Okay, whirly gig. You, Dave bought a bounce house and he put the Eval logo for his blood testing company on the front of the bounce house. Right. First of all, it's not called a bounce house. It's called a bouncy castle. And secondly, there is no bouncy bit in the middle. You can see grass. That is an inflatable cubicle that we're using at Fitex so that we can do blood testing because obviously you can't start pulling people's bloods out in the middle of a show. Why not? 
Because people get squeamish about looking at blood. Yeah, I guess they do. I guess they do. When I've posted that stuff yeah, on used- Instagram, I, I can see people are like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't. People don't even like when we talk about like doing blood work and stuff sometimes because they get squeamish. So we're going to have a separator down the middle. So we've got two separate cubicles, both with uh, fleb chairs in. Um, and then the big stand, well, it's not really a big stand, but the banner stand is going in front to create a, an entranceway that blocks off the actual entranceway into there. So it's all private. So let me ask you this. The chairs people sit in, are they going to be like inflatable chairs as well? No. Oh. Really? Think about it. Needles, chairs. You, well, you I don't know. I never saw this thing. No. I never saw one of these before. I'd think you just put uh, up like some partitions or something. No, we're gonna um we we looked at all sorts and we were gonna hire one of these. Um and it was working out that expensive it was actually cheaper to just go and buy ourselves one. Huh. Uh and it, it goes up in minutes. It, it and it's quite sturdy actually. It's quite good. I was quite impressed with it. But um so we'll have two reclining full sort of like Imagine like a barber's chair type thing. So yeah. there's a foot rest and a head rest and it reclines back. Yeah. So we'll have two of those. Um, we're actually already getting some bookings off athletes for reidation IVs. Though, so we're oh. having to go a day early now. So we're setting up on the Thursday so we can operate on the Friday because we've got athletes waiting in Friday morning that are then coming to us, especially powerlifters, yeah. that are then coming to us to hydrate so they can get the fluids back up because they've dropped water in order to make weight for the competition. Yeah. Billy agrees with me. He says it's a cool bounce house. I agree with Billy. How It's not a bounce house. Let me ask the listeners, if Dave jumped off of his house and landed on this, how high do you think Dave would bounce? <laughs> Dave would bounce. <laughs> Dave would probably be dead. <laughs> That's cool, um, man. That's cool. You'd have, you'd have laughed when we were putting it up because it only arrived uh, Saturday, so we 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 um, we didn't get a chance to put it up. And we tested it on Sunday, okay. and there's four zips in each corner, um, and it, it wasn't going up properly. And we're both looking at each other, going, "Well, this is shit. It doesn't fucking work. What yeah. the hell's going on?" And we forgot to zip up these pockets, so it was just leaking air everywhere. Oh God! <laughs> all right. Well, we do have a bunch of questions, guys. Uh, for all of our YouTube viewers, if you want to take part in the next episode, we would love to have you. So feel free to comment with any questions you have. And um, as I didn't mention at the start of the show, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. Because uh, you know we have several podcasts coming out each week, including great IFBB pros like Ron and Dusty interviewing people like Jordan Peters. That show is killing it, by the way. We got like like close to 20, like 20,000 views in five days with that one. Dave, why doesn't your show get 20,000 views each time? Because it's me and not Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, that's the simple answer to that one. <laughs> he's pre- he's a force. He really is. You know what I mean? He's, he, well, I mean, he's, he's developed a huge brand identity over the years, hasn't he? So, yeah. Um, over a short and, time, and too. I, I think as well, because he announced that he was stopping everything, people would have been very curious to hear what he had to say on that subject. Absolutely. So the first question I'm going to bring up here, uh, this is one of our uh, guys who's been following us for a while. He actually asked this question on a previous episode. uh, And I said, hey, man, that's a great question. We'll definitely tackle that one on the next show. And guess what? You didn't. I didn't. 
And he was like, hey, man, uh, you said it was a great question, and then you didn't answer it, dude. <laughs> but you, he was like, but you answer a bunch of stupid stuff. <laughs> like, you know, retarded questions <laughs> about chips versus chips, you know? But, like, we're not taking – so, yeah, he has a point maybe, right? Let's see what he has so to say. So, basically, you fucked up. Yeah. Actually, David – I ran it past Dave Crossland and he told me it was a dumb question and he didn't want to answer it. Those were no, I did his not. words, no, I not did. mine. No, no. Oh, God. <laughs> this is just. <laughs> All right. Let me see if I can pull this up here. He says, uh, I would like to know about ways to elevate my natural testosterone. A friend of mine had the same level as me, around 300, and he managed to get it up to 550 after three months of doing a lot of HCG, Clomid, and Proviron. Plus, I think he also used other drugs uh, or other things such as zinc, ashwagandha, and tribulus, etc. I would like to know your thoughts on this and if it's bullshit or something worth giving a try. If uh, so, what do you think would be the right way to go about it? Also, my other, well, we'll stop there because I think that's just a completely different question. So let's stop there. Let's cover this one and then we'll, we'll get back to the second question. I, th I think for a long time, people have sort of, particularly within our industry and you know, particularly users of sort of, um, shit on test boosters as being loads of bollocks, loads of crap. Don't use them, like fucking bollocks. Um, and, and obviously a, a natural test booster or natural products designed to boost your testosterone are never going to elevate you into super pharmacological levels in a million years. Yeah. But I have over the years actually seen some very good bloods and some very good levels of people that have used stuff like tribulus. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, in fact, I do remember me and Rich Foster actually looking at a set of blood, sort of a guy. I can't remember exactly what he was running, but it was all OTC stuff. There was nothing in there that was, you know, prescription or anything like that. And he actually got his levels above range. So he was sitting sort of about four or five NMOL above range. Okay. Um, so it will be person-dependent. And it will be very much down to the quality of the product you're using. And obviously, dosing is going to have an impact as well. But yes, over-the-counter test boosters can increase your test levels, particularly if you are on the low end. But yeah. it would also depend on, on what's causing you to be on the low end. That's uh, true, they're not gonna, They're not going to fix the damaged endocrine system. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I mean, HCG without doubt is going to increase your test levels. Novadex, all things being equal, without doubt is going to increase your test levels. Um, so just really Novadex on its own can have a big impact on, on testosterone levels. Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned his friend had used HCG, Clomid and Proviron. Now, I don't know. I don't think the Proviron mm -hmm. will, but definitely, I mean, they medically use just even Clomid alone. I've known guys who... Mm -hmm. They had gone into their doctor. They're a little bit younger for TRT, and their doctor says, uh, you know, maybe they've used steroids, maybe they have, and the doctor will put them on 50 milligrams of Clomid a day, and your testosterone levels will go up. Now, will they stay up after you discontinue the Clomid? 
that is going to be individual, right? Yeah, I agree. It's probably yeah. not. But but I mean, there's a reason we use that stuff for PCT. You're giving your body an opportunity to kick back on and begin producing this stuff naturally. A, a lot of this stuff or is on hinging on why, why you're low in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if you have, unfortunately, uh, an issue with your endocrine system, I, it's just broke. It yeah. just doesn't work properly. Then... You're not going to fix that with OTC stuff, but you may possibly improve it to some degree. Um, there's some studies showing that Novadex is actually more effective than Clomid at elevating testosterone levels. Okay. Uh, and people do tend to prefer uh, Novadex to Clomid when it comes to side effects, but you do have to look at stuff like vision can be affected by Novadex as well. So you need to be a little bit careful on, on how much you use or how long you use it for. And if anyone mentions reduced IGF-1, I'm going to personally hunt them down and I'm going to shoot them. How about um, the aspartic acid? Now, there has been clinical mm -hmm. testing. Uh, I pulled up one study here. I don't think this is the study I, um, I wanted to find because I'm just pulling this up quickly. But I've seen, uh, I've seen a study show that using deaspartic acid in a in a cyclical fashion at starting with three grams for 12 days on then stopping it for 12 days and then going back on at two grams was uh reported to produce uh increased levels now i think you would have to continue cycling that on and off in that fashion but you that's something that's over the counter and that's something you mm -hmm. could do long term. I haven't heard of any health implications with that, uh, but you could continue to monitor your lab work and see, watch all your um, all your health markers as you continue to check your testosterone levels with that. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, it, it, it's shown to be quite effective, and again, um, it, it's you know it's down to what's causing the problem in the first place but but yeah it's shown i mean some people develop low levels just because of lifestyle and stress yeah um even very low fat diets um can can start to wreak havoc on hormone levels that's a huge and point. in those in those sort of circumstances then these supplementations are going to be incredibly impacting yeah in but if you were unfortunate enough to be born in a way where testosterone production is low, then you're probably going to see much less impact. So, unfortunately, David, it's a yes and a no, depending on what the background is. Um, when you start getting stuff like HCG and Novadex, you're going to have a much stronger effect. Sure. And those those products could well, will definitely uh, offset more issues as in they will solve more issues that may be causing your low hormones than the over-the-counter stuff would do yeah um and then ultimately obviously you're looking at testosterone because these products will no longer offset whatever it is that's creating the low testosterone in the first place yeah i mean depends where the damage yeah 300 is pretty low so he could yeah he could possibly depending on his age benefit from trt but i'm all for trying to get your natural levels up first versus depending on a medication you know if you can get away with not using a drug for the rest of your life then more power to you definitely, definitely. Oh, excuse me all right let's see what i'll see oh it, it, you know what too you touched on something really great that i wanted to add in was that nutrition factor i mean steroids uh our sex hormones testosterone 
it's a cholesterol and you need to give your body good healthy fats in order to have optimal production so i would also say supplement with fish oil make sure you're getting some healthy fats get avocado you know olive oil make sure that those things are in your diet because if you're eating a really really low fat diet that can definitely in itself have an impact nutrition plays a huge role in our ability to produce test and this is very apparent in females mm. um Female hormone production is very sensitive to fat intake in the diet, and it's not uncommon. In fact, it's quite common for women who run low fat diets to effectively be menopausal. Okay, um, I see it a lot, uh, a hell of a lot, with with female athletes who, who aren't users who, who just run low fat diets because of um, the sport they're in, or because they're you know they're very conscious about their body fat levels. And as a result, their hormone profiles are trashed. Uh, okay. Um, he had this other question. Also, my other question is, would progesterone increase my estrogen? Because I have terrible joint problems, which I have a feeling is because of low estrogen, which I don't get when I am on testosterone. Am I right in thinking because I have low testosterone? Oh, and then... There's a little more which I missed, but he's saying he thinks he has low testosterone. I mean, sure, if you have low testosterone, then you're probably going to have low estrogen too, right? No, you are going to do, but progesterone, elevated progesterone would, in, in normal circumstances, lower estrogen. Oh, okay. Um, so it wouldn't be the way. I'm not sure why he's talking about progesterone, because if it's low estrogen, which is what it suspects it is, then that's governed by testosterone more than anything else. Um, and obviously it would then suggest that his lowly test is potentially a result of previous usage, mm. which changes his first question as well. Yeah. As he talks about when he's on testosterone, he doesn't have an issue with his joints. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's see here. I think this is a question I wanted to go to next. Um Okay, yeah, we answered his previous question. Um, oh, no, this was him again. Question. Yeah, I can't yeah. read these little things. I'll just go to the top. I won't know exactly which one we're getting here. Um, but we'll just run through them. So Tim asks, uh, for drugs and stuff and blood, sweat, and gear, thoughts on Clen? Versus, oh, he posted this at the uh, Think Big uh, private group. If you guys want to join the group, we broadcast these shows live on Facebook at the group. You can chime in, which a bunch of people have, including Walter. What's up, Walter? A bunch of other people, too, but I want to say hi to Walter. Uh, and you can ask questions live on the show. He asked this in the group. Thoughts on Clen versus other fat loss, non-DMP. Um Hearing about a lot of side effects, but many come from high doses for too long. Thoughts on dosing and cycle length for male, uh, 220 to 230. Um, and he, yeah, he's looking for experience, feedback, etc. Hmm. I think with Clem, uh, it's it's very dependent on how well you tolerate the sides. Yeah. More than anything. Um, I mean, 
it, it, it is an effective fat burner. There's, there's no denying that. And, and it, it's a very useful fat burner if you're not on cycle. Yeah. Because of its anti-catabolic status. So it's going to preserve muscle mass at the same time as helping you lose fat. Uh, whereas, obviously, T3, again, an effective fat burner, but it's not particularly good at conserving muscle mass if you're not in an anabolic state. So uh, over the two... It would depend on where you are and what you're doing. So if you're not on cycle, I would definitely go clean over T3. If you are on cycle, I'd probably hear more towards T3, personally. I don't know what your thoughts are that on. You you quite like T3 at low dose, don't you? I do, but um, I guess it depends on... So, yeah, I do agree with you, first of all, Dave, that uh, you know somebody who is going to be more prone to side effects from stimulants, I think that they're going to be prone to the side effects of clen but the way that i have always not always used it because when i first started i looked at the boards and it was suggested through a lot of people on the message boards to do you know ramp up for two weeks no higher than 120 build that up and then stay on that for two weeks and then come off for two weeks i learned uh listening to dave palumbo a lot and then also watching dave diet friends of mine uh, he died in my coach and uh, national level bodybuilders in the area I knew. Dave would start at 40 and every two weeks he would increase by 20. And the I've always followed starting low and increasing slowly. Uh, the thing with Clen is, is that a lot of people think the side effect is the effect. And yes. you don't necessarily need to feel it in order for it to be working. Um, you can greatly reduce the side effects of any drug by taking a really small dose. Now, if your diet is on point, which I always make sure that everything's on track first, and, and you're you're making progress, in this case, you're losing fat, and you're losing it at a rate that you like, and then you throw in a little icing on the cake, you're going to minimize side effects by taking that tiny, small amount, and you're going to continue, you can continue to get more out of it for longer. Uh, I think that if you can keep those side effects down, you can keep some of the risks down. Now, granted, when you do get up higher, I, I never go above 100 to 120. I was talking with a couple guys last night or the other night who were saying that, like, as coaches who've been in the industry a long time, they've seen people that, that are taking 200. I've never in my life thought 200 was an acceptable dose on Clen. And I, I've never been in a position where I thought that that was a really good idea or or where it was like the next step. I'd rather cycle off of it for a while if it got to that point. But usually what I do is I time it out so that we can up it by 20 and be at no more than 100 going into the show. You know, there's a slight drying effect that comes along with Clen, and I found that mm -hmm. to help with the contest look. So I, I would much rather go that route. And then as a coach, um, that's just one more tool in my arsenal for fat loss. So if we want to, I think one of the things about dieting is we want to avoid homeostasis, that the body gets used to X amount of clen, X amount of cardio, X amount of food. And what's really successful and working right now is not working a month down the road because your body got used to it. So if we're to have that in the toolbox, then we can say up a little bit cardio this week, adjust the food next week, then adjust the clen that following week and slowly make progress a step at a time playing with the different tools we have versus just hitting the clen button just hitting the clen button every time 
um, excuse me, throw T3 into the mix. And now we have another tool. So now we can toggle between alterations with the diet, alterations with the cardio, alterations with the clen, and alterations with the T3 to continue getting a slightly better effect. That's my thought. No, I, I, I think as well that you'll find that if you dose small dose, so argument's sake, if you went in straight at 100 um, clen, you'd probably find very quickly that you'd get side effects and those side effects would probably be there for quite some time. Yeah. Where if you went 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, when you reached 100, you'd probably find you didn't have the side effects. Yeah, each time, usually um, what I've seen reported is, each time you increase, you feel it for a couple of days, and it's kind of and then it eases off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and you do get that. So you do get with the taper effect, you do get much better tolerance of sides. Yeah, um, and that that seems to to go across the board with people using clen. Other fat burners, I mean, I suppose a lot depends as well on on how well your body approaches fat loss in a sense. And what I mean by this is. Some people will find their fat loss is greater with a high calorie expenditure rather than a low calorie input. Yeah. Obviously both is good or better, but, but um, you know, some people find that if they drop the food too low, they start to stall their fat loss and they struggle where they keep the food a little bit higher, but they increase their output. Then the, the fat loss continues to progress. Uh, and for those sort of, of effects, then, you know, a, a thermogenic or a stimulus-based fat loss like Clen or when you start looking at stuff like T5 uh, becomes useful. The big issue with T5s is that it can very easily creep up with anxiety on people if they're mm. not careful. Okay. Uh, and though T5 is probably one of the most commonly used fat burners throughout the world particularly in non-bodybuilding circles and non-athletic circles it's very common in in just general fat loss uh, it is probably actually one of the worst fat loss agents for long-term side effects really okay because of, of because of the anxiety triggers it can cause because i mean it's, it's effectively an amphetamine based rock hmm. um it's not but in the way you know it's it's um it's a Ephedrine is part of that family, uh, and and long term anxiety issues are very common with people who use high dose or, or regular use sort of ephedrine. Okay, we kind of had a, like a little tie in question that came up in the feed, so I'll throw this one up right now. Uh, did you say his name, Lucas? Lucas? I mean, did we just Lucas. say Lucas? But there's his yeah, name. I would have said Lucas. Lucas. yeah, no, but I think that's just more of a. I think it's um, I think it's Lucas. No. You you do a really good job of insult, insulting anyone <laughs> on our program that has a foreign name. Oh our, yeah. Our, our customers, as Dave called them last week. Remember that? You were like <laughs> our customers. Somebody commented on well, that. That was funny. I'm not sure well, our viewers, our listeners, I don't listeners know. Our cabbages. Cabbage our cabbages. Heads. That's right. Um, yeah, he says I did it right, yeah. Lucas. Okay. <laughs> I do apologize for him. He's an insensitive oath, and and I really can't <laughs> do with him. I, I'm trying to change him, but the the, the exchange market's really weak at the moment. Um, anyway, um, all of it. The least amount 
that you can all of it reach your goals and if you can avoid going above 50 i think that you are doing a smashing job champ yeah i would i would say for most people if you're starting to go above 50 75 then you are you are probably compensating for a lack of effort in the diet department yeah or lack of time also, you know what I mean? Like maybe Yeah, there is the speed time. element as well. Yeah, 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 there is a speed element as well. All right. This is the question I was looking for before. I thought this is a good one. Um, we answered his question on the previous show. Greg asks now, uh, what does one do to figure out how to battle puberty gyno? Um, how do we know if it's prolactin slash estrogen, if bloods are within the normal range? Thanks again. Now I had a follow up for him. I, he didn't get back to us yet. Cause I was asking how old he is now. Is there something he's still dealing with or is it something that happened when he was younger? I will say I've seen it happen, Dave, um, especially for guys who are teenagers who get a high burst of natural testosterone that then converts to estrogen and it causes gyno-like issues, there is something called pseudogynecomastia. And that is mm -hmm. fat deposits, sensitivity, and it's all in the presence mm -hmm. of no lumps. There's no swollen gland involved. It's just the fat and everything else. So I don't know whether maybe he has that or not. Gyno is only caused by estrogen. Um, however, prolactin can increase the level of estrogen receptors in the breast, which then makes lower levels of estrogen more responsive. Mm, yeah. But pro prolactin without estrogen cannot cause gyno. Um, now, in regards to, there is also another mechanism at play here. And it's one of the reasons why Tren and Decker actually have such an impact on gyno is DHT. So DHT has a preventive role at the breast oh, to prevent gyno. Okay. It's protective. Um, because Tren and Decker bind with 5-alpha reductase, they actually lower DHT levels. Ooh. So they can con they can contribute to you being more sensitive to gyno. When it comes to puberty, if your hormones are in a normal level, I would then be asking, is your DHT level in a normal level? Yeah. Because if your estrogen is low to normal and your prolactin is low to normal, then there is no reason to suspect that your estrogen receptor level would be elevated and there's no reason to suspect that estrogen would be causing a problem. So the next thing I'd be looking at is DHT low, therefore making you more sensitive. That makes sense. And you can also just be sensitive. And unfortunately, that's just life. Um some people are sensitive to certain things and other people are sensitive to others in the same way you have allergies and things like that. So unfortunately, genetics play a role in this as well. Mm. There's limitations as to what you can do. Um, I would suggest that if you are in your puberty years, that, that one of the things that may be worth discussing with a doctor is DHT cream. Okay, yeah. Because it can be applied locally and therefore create a barrier at yeah. the, the receptors. That makes so sense. DHT cream and, and it's a it's an approved method for, for managing gyno hmm. in, in in pubescent people. So pubescent boys. Um 
So there's definitely that to to look at. Um, but uh, yeah, if you've not got any normal hormone elevation, i.e., estrogen, prolactin, then I would suggest looking at DHT and seeing where you are with that. Fair deal. All right. And it's worth noting that Finistride can actually contribute to gyno as well for that same very reason. It lowers DHT levels. That makes sense. Um, Okay. Thoughts on hematocrit managed on cycle or TRT? Let's see. I brought this up a little bigger here. No, I didn't actually. Uh, I just got to read it off of our screen. Uh, thoughts on hematocrit management on cycle or TRT. What is the maximum accept- acceptable level of hematocrit? Is it 55% or 60%? Or does it not matter as long as platelet count is in range? Is it recommended to donate blood every eight weeks? Is it recommended to use aspirin when the platelet count is high? Thank you. Okay, so we've got two things here we've got to consider. Hematocrit, which would elevate, but it would also generally elevate alongside RBC and hemoglobin, i.e. thick blood. And then we've got platelets, which is an increased clotting. Now, aspirin does not lower thick blood, but aspirin does reduce clotting. With thick blood comes elevated clotting. Uh, but clotting can elevate without thick blood. So platelets can increase even though blood is not thick. So aspirin is a treatment against clotting. Um, It's not uh, a remedy for thinning blood, as a lot of us think it is. Um, It actually doesn't reduce blood viscosity, it just reduces clotting. Um, The acceptable... Right... The ranges that we see on bloods are based on national averages. Uh, and we tend to look at, well, it's in rage, so it's fine. That's not necessarily the case. If you're at the upper end of range, then you know your blood is thickening. You know it's something you need to be concerned about. And it's know it's something you need to start to look to manage. Mm. Um, Supplement-wise, IP6... Uh, and bear in mind, do not get IP6, because someone asked me this actually on Messenger today. Do not get confused with Incitol and IP6, though the the IP6 is a form of Incitol. Incitol is really a precursor to IP6, and increasing Incitol does not necessarily mean you're going to increase IP6. So I, I'm just so learning I, about all of this, and I didn't know that initially. Uh, and I started mm-hmm. using Inositol, and I did see a drop using inositol on its own, but I did order IP6 and it should be delivered today. How should I dose that? Carefully. Carefully. I've heard I thought it was like two, <clears throat> two grams. Um, I would start at 500 and, and I would progress from there. Okay. The big issue with IP6 is that it will lower, it will drop iron as well. So it's very easy to become anemic. Um, I don't think, to be honest, there is really a a set dosing. Uh, I think it's very much down to the individual. Okay. Um, and it's going to require testing. Um, you're going to keep an eye on testing. Um, but going back to what is the recommended level or not, um, to be honest, when you start getting up with a range, you need to start taking note. 
Um, does is it life threatening at that point, or is it the high elevation of health risk at that point? No, you're going to be much higher. You know, when you start looking, I mean, for hemoglobin, for example, I always work on 170 upper range. Some people, well, 17, some people will work on 180 or 18. Um, but I would definitely be concerned once you get over the 190 mark. And if you start heading into the 200 mark, then we're starting to see a, a, a significant immediate risk to health. Um, with, with, with the hematoma, um, I would I would aim to keep it below six, would be my honest answer. Um, a little bit of elevation can be positive, but also, again, that depends on how you react to that. If you find that your cognitive function has got a little bit less responsive or you find that you feel sluggish, uh, and a very easy way to physically check uh, from a side effect point of view of, on thick blood is – if you feel sluggish and lethargy, but when you start exercising, your energy levels increase, that's generally a sign that your blood is thick because it doesn't start to circulate correctly until you get a higher elevation of heartbeat. And then when it's pumping hard and the blood's moving freely, that's when you feel energized. And, and that would suggest that you've probably got thick blood and you need to test and check. Okay. Um. On the, the note of iron, I noticed that after doing phlebotomy uh, every week, or excuse me, every month for several months in a row, my iron levels were lower, and they were even flagged as low. And I asked my doctor, who's a hematologist, and he told me that in my situation, having lower iron will be to my benefit, that he said that it uh, ferritin will is what signals your bone marrow to produce uh, red blood cells. So it, it's kind of a cyclical thing that if your iron is high, then your hematocrit's gonna be even higher because it's gonna keep triggering the, the, the marrow to produce more. If you do mm -hmm. a, a regular phlebotomy, or in this case, use IP6 and you can get it down, then you're not going to produce as many red blood cells. The production doesn't get ramped up. So I think there's a, there's a balance in there. I think you're completely right that like you need to, you can't just do this willy nilly. You need to evaluate what's going on with labs. I've seen quite a few bloods now with people using IP6 and pretty much every one, bar one person, they're anemic. Okay. I wonder if that's a bad thing because I think I was considered anemic yet I felt awesome. You know, and my my red blood was still kind of on the higher level. Uh, no, this is I'm talking about low iron, low ferritin, low RBC, low hematocrit, low hemoglobin okay. across the board. Hmm. So, got to watch it. I yeah, think this is you, one of the just most. Just got to watch it. It's I think it's one of the most popular supplements out there now. Like everybody's getting into it. It seems. It it is, and you just need to be sensible. Um, Bloodletting is an invasive process. It's not the pleasantest of things. It's not the easiest to get done for a lot of people. Including so me. I understand the I understand the attraction to IP6. I really do. And people don't like sixteen gauge needles being rammed in their arms. Mm. Uh, yeah, you, I know you do. <laughs> it's a big fucking needle. There's no mm -hmm. denying that. Uh, the good thing about bloodlet is it is an immediate release if you are at a high level that's you risk it. True. Uh, IP6 
works. There's no denying that. There's there's plenty to support that. You've just got to watch those iron levels because it can send you very, very low. Uh, and it's just a case of, you know, I would start low, dose it in, run four weeks, see where you are, increase from that point, and you're going to have to change the management between TRT and cycle because what you can get away with on cycle, you will not get away with in a TRT status. Um, so there's things like that that need to be considered with it as well. It, it's it's effective. It's definitely a good product and it's definitely useful, uh, but it actually requires more management in a sense mm. than, than Bloodlighting does. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but it, it, but it is it is definitely more convenient from a point of view of taking it and administering it than it is trying to find someone to bloodlet. And I've seen some insane prices for bloodletting. I mean, we only charge forty quid. And I know Strom charged the same, but I've seen people getting charged one hundred and forty pounds, two hundred pounds. I mean, that's you know in excess of three hundred dollars for a bloodlet. Yeah, that's expensive. It's right. ridiculous. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, so I got a couple sent to me on email. We'll take them. I would prefer that you guys posted them up over at the YouTube page or at the group. Um, I try to keep email mainly for clients and stuff and, you know, all of that. So plus posting it in the in the Facebook or excuse me, on the YouTube helps to boost us up in the algorithm. Every time somebody makes a comment there, it tells YouTube to uh, to boost our show because more people are interested. Anyway, uh, this is from Mike. He says, Mike from Japan. He's 46 years old. I am on TRT of 125 milligrams every week. Since January, I raised this to a total of 500 milligrams of SIP per week and 400 milligrams of Primo um, with gear from the internet. Uh, weight is slowly coming down and leaning out, recomping. Uh, better than anticipated, around 10% body fat, now at 78 kilograms. My cycle is at 12 weeks now, and I feel no adverse effects, almost to the point that the gear I added may not be as high of dose as, uh, I lost my spot, as advertised. Um, diet is strong and workouts are consistent, lots of cardio as well. Uh, saw on the podcast with you and Dave on longer cycles. Um, I was curious what signs of toxic or adverse effects I should watch out for as, uh, uh, for aside from anything in bloods. I feel like going longer to 16 weeks will not have any adverse effect, but, uh, seems to be common knowledge is not to go much longer. Um, I even was thinking about taking some calories out to accelerate the leaning phase. Curious as to what the visible signs of a cycle being too long and also thoughts on the above story. Um, cycle being too long, physical signs would generally be just, um, generally feeling a bit shit, really. More sides um, too, yeah. You know, I just liken it to generally feeling a little bit run down. Um, you'll find your training will not be quite as productive or you won't quite enjoy your workouts. You might even see a strength dip. Um, <coughs> disrupted sleep. All these things can start to indicate that maybe you've gone a little bit too long. Um, having said that, you know, 
you can extend cycles. Um, in an ideal situation, you'd get a set of bloods done and see where things are. Uh, but that's not always practical or possible for some people. And I don't know how freely blood testing is available in somewhere like Japan. I mean, mm. I know certain countries, blood testing is much more difficult to obtain than others. Even Canada. Um, so you might just have to go off. Yeah, I, I've, I have a client in Canada who, who an advisory client who, who was struggling to get blood work done. He's found somewhere now where he's taken quite a lot of messing around to get somewhere. Hmm. Um. And probably more so now Canada's in, in lockdown again. Um, but um, so, you know, if, if you don't have blood work available, then you just have to listen to your body. Um, if you, if you, and it's not so much like you have a shitty workout, oh, so shit, I need to stop my cycle, but it's more a case of it's consistent. Hmm. And if you find you're having more shitty ones than you are good ones, then I would start to question, hang on a minute, you know, have I been on too long? Yeah. Having said that, you know, Primo is a mild drug. It's not heavily health impacting. Um, so it's just a case of watch for signs of lethargy, fatigue, those sort of things, general malaise. And if you start seeing them, then it may be a case of questioning your cycle. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And I'll tell you what, I think of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of explain this in like my contest prep scenario that... Uh, usually we will start the test around 16 weeks out and then start adding the hardeners in, you know, 10 weeks and under, depending on the compound, maybe 12 for trend possibly, but generally 10 for me is the common. We'll say that's common. I've seen situations of people running uh, like test and trend for just too long. And when I say too long, what I start to see is they, they start to take an unhealthy look just to their entire physique. I've seen where like you start, like usually don't get acne, but now I'm starting to get acne skin quality, the color, the texture, the oiliness, it all starts changing. You start to take on what I call a drugged look. That's a look. You don't, you don't want that look. You don't want to look that like unhealthy drugged appearance. And maybe part of it is because doing this a long time as a coach, seeing so many physiques over, you know, a decade or whatever, you can start to pick up on these things more and see the details. Uh, but I, I, that's the best way that I can describe that outside of seeing things change in your labs, for instance, you know, like he said, outside mm -hmm. of lab work, you know, what do you see? I think you're right too. You, you may see strength start to drop and look at your motivation because we kind of touched on this before, you know, David, like you were saying, like, you know, if you run the same cycle for 20 weeks, it's like a guy who isn't as like plugged in, you know, are you, let me ask you this. Are, is he just as motivated at week 12 as he was at week two, you know, as he was at week three, if you're not getting as much out of this, if you're not like killing it in the gym, then and excited then then maybe it is time to take a break and and i think people generally know they're like yeah i feel like this has run its course uh you know it's it, it's not as it's not as much of a punch as it was previously maybe it's time to to back things down i'd say that those would be my thoughts i think people also get very obsessed with the cycle needs to be 10 weeks it needs to be 12 weeks it needs mm. to be 16 weeks it can be 13 and a half yeah, yeah, it really can. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It, it's 
and and quite often people will run a cycle out because they've predetermined they're going to do a 16 week cycle and it's like well look if it's week 12 you feel shitty then stop yeah you just pick it up on the next one you don't you don't you know you don't need to slog it to the end um i've made that mistake in the past where i'm gonna do it i'm gonna see it out because i've said i'm gonna do this and it's like well what predetermined that length in the first place? It was just a number I pulled out of the air. It was there was no real basis for picking a cycle of a certain length. It was just that's what everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you just just listen and react to what your body's telling you, rather than fit, trying to fit into a predetermined number that you think is what you should do. We got a balls question, Dave. As in a bouncy balls question? Uh, no. Is in a shrinking ball. A testicular. Yeah, in a yeah. testicular question. A balls. He says, um, I've been on 500 milligrams of test sip for five weeks now. When are my balls supposed to shrink? Um, I think it might be fake gear. I literally can't find anything on the internet about when they are supposed to shrink. But I have gotten great strength gains. Um, I'm not sure if it's in my head or what any help will be appreciated loving the podcast they're not necessarily going to shrink i feel like he might um, be disappointed in that i think he wants his balls to shrink a little yeah i'd say it's just i just be <laughs> glad they're not shrinking and, and enjoy them but if you're getting strength gains, then it's unlikely your gear is, is dodgy because yeah. you wouldn't be getting strength or not sustained strength gains. Anyway, you might get a little bit of placebo effect initially, but that's not going to continue week on week in. Yeah. Um, you Roughly, you're talking around four weeks before you're fully suppressed. That can vary a couple of weeks either way, depending on the individual and depending on doses and drugs used. So you might find that at this point you're not actually totally and completely fully suppressed. And as a result, your LH levels are still at a point where your Leydig cells aren't starting to particularly atrophy. And it might take a couple more weeks before you start to see any testicular shrinkage. You might be lucky and get virtually none. Um, completely genetic, I'm, really. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, I've, I've never particularly had big balls, so... I, I never noticed the difference, you know. I've always always been small, um, but no, it's yeah. I mean, I, suppression from test is not immediate; it's gradual. It, it you your body senses an elevation in hormone, it starts to reduce GnRH output, which in turn starts to reduce FSH and LH output. And slowly, though testosterone production itself can switch off quite quickly, um, the FSH and LH can sustain for quite a few weeks after a cycle has started before they will fully suppress and shut down. Um, and I mean, I I've, I've see bloods of people on cycle that are still maintaining FSH production hmm. to some degree. Hmm. Um, so you know, it's not it's not an on-off switch with this situation. Uh, just because the the inhibins locally within the testes will will shut down test production very rapidly, but signal hormone production can continue for quite some time. Yeah, and and you know too, what I found is you put a guy, you know, a guy takes a cycle and uh, he comes off, he recovers, he bounces back. He does another cycle, he comes off, he recovers, 
he bounces back. But maybe this time he takes a, it took a little bit longer. Maybe he didn't quite recover completely from the previous cycle. Three mm-hmm. cycles down the road, he doesn't bounce back as well as after the first one. So I think there's kind of like a, a repetitive thing going on here where if you looked at if you looked at the the trend over time, he's progressing down. So this sounds to me like it's his first cycle. He doesn't really know what to expect from Gary. He's like, hey, I am getting stronger, but I'm not seeing the side effects that I w- understood I was supposed to get. So I'm going to guess this is his first cycle. Uh, come back to us after 10 cycles, you know what I mean? And let us know where you're at then. Because I, I do think that there is something to be said about like where you're at after the first one versus if you continue to use, you know? Right. Well, I mean, we have numerous Leydig cells in the testes and we have far more Leydig cells than we actually require. Okay. Yeah. So damage to Leydig cells is accumulative over time, over cycles, over duration on cycles. So without doubt, the further you are into your cycling life, uh, the less Leydig cells you're probably going to have that are active. Um, which is why most users will eventually become TRD dependent because the Leydig cells get to the point where they just won't recover and there's just not enough left to yeah. sustain natural levels of testosterone. So without doubt, the longer you use for even on-off, even cyclitic, the smaller your balls will eventually get. Mm-hmm. And then you you just have to embrace the peanut. Well, here's, a, here's something else. Walter brings up two points. He says... <laughs> Uh, I never got testicular atrophy from prescription testosterone, but then a second later he adds, I also take HCG or gonadotropin. So if you did want to battle that, you could take HCG through your cycle Mm -hmm. and that will help to restore them to full size and keep them there through the cycle. So if that was an issue, HCG could definitely help. People do seem to have a big hang up with ball size and I'm not so sure why. It's not something you particularly run around and say oh look at the size of my balls yeah yeah um i've never heard of a you know you hear women that are you know that you 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 want to impress the ladies with a big member right like that's the thought but you never hear of women being like oh those big balls i love big balls well the the thing is i think i just found a clip for the start of the show by the way uh, okay, is you what you saying that you love big balls yeah Yeah, that was good (laughs) Um, the thing is, if your balls are small, it's going to make your willy look bigger. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know? So, probably, to be honest, in a way, small balls are an advantage. Yeah. There you go. And it, it makes my three inches look like three and a half. It's great. <laughs> all right. That's all we got <coughs> here, Dave. Uh, I think what, this... Small willies. Yeah, you're right. That's all we've got <laughs> That's here. all we got. <laughs> I know you have a little bit of work left, um, and um, I have to talk to a new client who is an MMA fighter. We're, we're scheduled to do that in a little Ooh. bit. I won't have enough time to train first because, well, I slept in, apparently. I slept like 10 and a half oh, hours, yeah. Dave. Oh, I wish. Oh, heaven. That was weird, man. Heaven. I never sleep. I don't think I could sleep much. that even if I could. It's, it's the whole recovery thing. I still require a, a lot of rest, but... It's coming along. Yeah, but I, I just wake up. I, I, I've got so used to getting up. Me too. I, Me too. I, I struggle, to, struggle to sleep past 6 a.m. these days. I know what you mean. That's the way I'd always been until now. So that's that's that. Uh, guys, 
if you have any ideas for the next episode, any topics that you'd like covered, uh, you know, like as we've been saying all through the show, feel free to comment on the YouTube. We'd uh, we'd love to do programming that you guys would enjoy hearing about. So tell us what you're interested in and comment about Dave. Like, let's hear what you really think about. What do you really think about Dave? You could tell me. Uh, you, there's there's nothing you can say that I've probably not already heard. <laughs> and if if you can beat the insult of I look like a diseased cow, then I'll be impressed. But so far, that's been my favorite. Oh man! Well, I think everybody has some love for you uh, on the on the podcast, Dave. So I think you're in you're in safe company here. <laughs> Guys, check, check out uh, uh, crosslens.org.uk if you want to reach out to Dave. You can reach me at McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Of course, check out our awesome sponsor, truenutrition.com, and use our code ADVICES to get some savings, plus to support us. And of course, uh, consider uh, checking out our Patreon. Every $5 helps to support our programming, and you will save a fluffy bunny. You will. <laughs> All right, guys, for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I'm Scott McNally. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, my friend. What's going on, guys? Today on Drugs and Stuff, we talk about best cycle ever. We discuss uh, Dave's best cycle. We talk about why someone else's best cycle. What's up, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I talk about best cycle ever. Now, we also discuss uh, why someone else's best cycle might not be your best cycle and to figure out what's the best cycle for you. After that, we have a bunch of listener questions, increasing natural testosterone, highest end dosing of T3, techniques for running clenbuterol, fixing naturally occurring gyno from puberty, dealing with natural occurring gyno from puberty, max level of max acceptable level of hematocrit what sides to look out for on a long cycle and what sides to look out for on a long cycle. And we have a listener who asks, when will my balls shrink? If you guys enjoy the show, then do me a favor, hit the like button. If you haven't subscribed, we'd love to have you along. We have several podcasts coming out each week. Uh, comment below with your questions for the next episode. Let's get to this thing.